Toes, The Adventures of an NYC Dance Teacher. I'm your co-host, Neil Colangelo. And I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We will be sharing our experiences and all the ridiculous and hilarious trips. However, to keep the identity of the students and companies we have worked for safe, we won't be mentioning any by name, and if we do, they will be changed. That being said, let's get into today's topic. <coughs> Graduation. 2019. Yes. So, me and Danielle have done end-of-the-year recitals, and we saw a few end-of-the-year recitals, and we just thought that it's important to talk about some of the things that are happening (laughs) and things to prepare for as you build end-of-the-year shows, come to the end of your, you know, your end-of-year shows as a performer, like, just some important things that come to mind. Um, And the first place I want to start from is as a teacher. Um, I hear music in the background. Not going to work. Um, that come from as a teacher. So, like, when you're preparing your end-of-the-year shows, I think it's important to showcase everything that your studio has done, not just what has happened in the last few six months. Mm -hmm. Um, And I... Because I find that, like, studios will only pull competition pieces for their end-of-the-year shows, which I think is totally weird. Or they'll only pull certain certain pieces for the end of the year show or they just won't focus on everything. And that to me just feels very weird and I don't understand why they would do that. Um, and just, it's one of the things when you're building that end of the year show, I think you just have to, you have to think very broadly when you're pre- preparing that show. I think that's one of the big things that come to mind. Um, you can't just let it be a singular thing. Like I don't want to watch an entire concert of hip hop. Right. A studio that right. isn't just, no studio is just one style, so, so I don't want to see that. Right. So, like, obviously, as the year goes on, you know, in the second half of the year, and as time goes on and on and on, you know, your students are advancing and they're learning a lot more, so a lot of what's going to be showcased in pieces is more stuff that you've been focusing on toward the end, but I think there are so many ways to incorporate stuff that you talked about in the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. information that they learned different dances that they learned in the beginning of the year and it shouldn't just be about certain specific dance moves or tricks or anything like that um and yes again um like tony just said too i completely agree with this that you need to show um if you're at a studio and you know most studios if not all studios i haven't seen a studio that doesn't do this you sign up for a class in terms of what the genre is. So you sign up for a ballet class or a jazz class or a tap class, so forth and so on. And so then to get to the recital and not clearly see those genres defined is very interesting to me when that whole class has been built on a specific technique. I'll just say that it's wrong because I'm at the point, like the more I think about this, gone are the days where you have a primary studio that only teaches one style. Yeah. Because even the major ballet companies, yes, their primary focus is ballet, but you can take other styles at these companies. Well, we even like, you know, growing up, my studio growing up was a primarily ballet studio Mm -hmm. and it had an extremely strong ballet background, but we also had these amazing jazz teachers and Mm -hmm. hip hop teachers and modern teachers and tap teachers come in. And so... If you wanted to go to that studio but not take ballet, that was cool. You didn't have to take ballet. Now, there were certain things if you did take ballet that you could do, like go, like be um, 
you know, get to maybe try out for different parts for the end of year recital where mm-hmm. we always did, ours was always the first half of the show. Mm-hmm. Act one was our ballet recital and then act two was everything else. Mm-hmm. Or you could be a Nutcracker. If you weren't taking ballet, you couldn't audition for the Nutcracker. Right. Sure. Makes sense though. But it wasn't like we only do ballet and if you don't do ballet, you can't do anything else. No, no. No. Typically it was like you had to do ballet so you can do other stuff. That's what I bumped into. It was like they need you in a core they need you in a core ballet class to have solid technique so that you can do other different styles. Yeah. And when you don't, you're lacking in something. Right. So and I again I used to feel very differently because I didn't start in ballet, I started in music theater. And literally I would just have people go it took a while for me to just find the right honest people to be like, You're missing the solid foundation of technique. Right. You need a ballet class. Right. And I would go, Thank you for finally saying that. Because everyone else was like, go take ballet. And I was like, I have no interest in ballet. But right. Like, they no, like there's techniques that that's missing. Uh, there's a line uh, for me it was alignment stuff. There's like there's alignment stuff that you're missing. Mm-hmm. You need to take that class. Yeah. So I mean So as as a studio that's like because again, people stay, and this is a trend that I think has gotten worse, but people stay with studios a very long time. Like, people will stay with the studio from like five year olds to 18. Yeah. And I'm very weary. I'm very cautious of that just because I feel as if. It's hard to get a really good studio. So I was at yeah. a studio from two and a half until nine or 10. And. It just wasn't, and I don't remember what it what it was, but it just like wasn't working anymore. And that's when my mom mm-hmm. started looking for other studios. Um, and then I was at then at like ten. I was in fifth grade, I think, when I switched, so I must have been ten. And then from ten to eighteen, I was at the studio, which I always refer to as like my studio. And I think that if I had started at um, so I went to Coupe in Nanu at New York. And I think if I had started at Coupe at three years old, I probably would have stayed at Coupe from three to 18. Mm. But I think it is very dependent on the studio. I think it's really also hard to find a studio that is well-versed, well-managed, yes. yes. and really cares about kind of the products and the training and everything going into that. It's hard to find a studio that you can stay at for 18 years and truly grow there. Yes, and that that's where I'm worried just because you when you stay under one teacher for too long, you get very um, stagnant and your growth. Like I, and it's something that I just have learned working with certain students where like I, I've hit walls with certain students where I go like, I I can no longer teach you. Like yeah. I, you, you've learned, like you're at a wall with me. Like I don't know if it's you, I don't necessarily, and I don't necessarily think that they surpass my knowledge. They just can't hear it from me anymore. It's yeah. not going anywhere. They need to hear it from a different Yeah, place. I agree. And that to me is where the, that's, that to me is why I'm like, I get a little caution that people are staying somewhere for 18 years. But on the rest of that, as a studio, as a teacher, if you've had someone for 18 years or, you know, an extended amount of time, how have you allowed them to grow? How have you helped them to grow? And I think that's what you have to look at. Yeah. Or also just passing the torch because that's one of the big things that um, always confuses me, particularly working here in New York City, is that you will get people that will get very ingrained in a program and very attached to their teachers and then they have to move on. Like something I found myself saying here, maybe like a year or two after teaching in the city, was just like, 
middle school is only three years. High school is only four years. Mm -hmm. Your studio, even if you're there until you're 18, after 18, it's different. You're going to be in a college program or you're going to be in some adult program. It's not the same. You need to move on to the next set of teachers. And a lot of people look at me like I'm crazy, but it's it's why I go... The same thing we're talking about with studios. If you're a studio that likes to infuse hip-hop and Caribbean into everything, because, mm-hmm. I mean, go back and see our hip episode. I despise it. Yeah. It That is cool that you did do that once or twice. Like, you know, and then do what you got to do to spark up your ballet class every now and then. But ballet is ballet. It ain't going to change. Right. And it's not going to change. And I think, that, I think that's where my my studio succeeded, is that they were like, this is ballet, this is tap, this is jazz. Yes. But they also, we also had a plethora of teachers who taught different styles within those genres. Mm-hmm. So when I had ballet growing up, which I took, you know, depended on the year two to four times a week. I had Vac Nova and I had Balanchine and I had Chiquetti and I like I literally had all of them and it like so far so forth and so on. Um, and I think that so I think there's like a couple of things that happen. Like I was just saying when you were saying that before, I knew a girl who when she was about mm, maybe like third, maybe like 14 or 15. Um, she switched studios because she wanted to do competitions. And the studio that she was at did not do competitions. Mm -hmm. So she left and she went to this brand new studio down the street that was all about competitions. And she is this beautiful, phenomenal dancer. But it was very clear that she went to this new studio and they were like, oh, you want to do competitions? Okay, we'll let you do any competition you want. And they kind of took the talent and the time and the efforts that already was put in by another studio and just kind of shoved choreography at her. And she never, like her tech, her technique probably did, you know, not, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, Improve. Probably didn't improve great. But it was never like she necessarily fell short. But I do know that then when she went to college, all of a sudden it was really hard for her because instead of, Staying at a studio where she could have had, you know, an introduction to all different styles within mm-hmm. things. She was all of a sudden brought into a studio that was like, you want to do competition? Great. We do competition. And that's all they focused on was competition. And I feel like that also happens a lot now with studios where, yeah. especially right now, there's a lot of like, quote unquote, popular dances happening yes. and popular music. And it'll get used in every single dance class and in every single recital piece. Mm-hmm. And you you have to realize that like there's a time and a place. We've talked about this on other episodes for those kind of like those fads. Oh, and yeah. that if you just continue or all year, every single class is all about this, like whatever the dance fad is, you're not really teaching. And well, and also you bring up a good point when you talk about like this happened to me and a good friend that I danced with in college. So I, like I said, I started in the music theater world and from there my technique formed as I hit later high school years in college. I learned how to do a syncopated pullback for 42nd Street my 10th grade year. And then use, I mean, so I did two major tap shows in high school. I did 42nd Street and I did Thoroughly Modern Millie as one of the speed tappers. So I knew how to, I, did, I knew how to tap dance. Yep. But I had never taken a tap class. So when I got to college and had to take a tap class, the hardest thing for me was learning how to do pullbacks like normal. Yeah. And literally, like I remember, like I remember my teacher being like, 
how do you know how to do a syncopated pullback, but not just like a basic pullback? And I was like, ah, he's like, can you do a one, like a single foot pullback? Yeah. But I could not do just a basic, just pullback. Right. Or drawbacks, I think is also what you guys call it. But I couldn't do it because I never learned how to actually break it down and do it. So like, I remember tap being one of the hardest classes for me because I had to relearn everything what I thought about tap because I in being been ingrained from how I learned shows and another friend of mine she comes from Miami and she's studio girl um and she actually went to the same studio as one of the winners from So You Think You Can Dance so like they're a huge competition studio like she's actually went back and teaching and now like running their jazz department and like doing well but mm, let's call her Maxine so Maxine was again always about competition and so she didn't know so when she got to a school that was like we had other styles we had ballet jazz and modern but we were modern heavy she didn't know how to connect or she didn't understand why we would take a whole semester to learn a piece or not not a whole semester but like why we would take five weeks to learn a piece yeah. versus like banging it out right now and she right. was like she was like this is taking too long and we're like the show is not until december like we have all, all the time, this time in the world right like new or she would be like why are we going through nuances right now let's just get the choreography learned and then go up you know and then go through nuances later and i'm like well every every choreographer works differently you know like right. we got to get to the nuances at some point so they just want to do them right now yeah now nah, it just doesn't work for me and so her watching her adjust was painful at times because she would get so frustrated at how things would be ran simply because she came from that competition world where it's like we have no time we've got to bang this out right let's go right and that that to me again i caution this is why i talk to the performers you have to know what's right for you and you need exposure to everything yeah and i think particularly in in particular when you're thinking of college programs or when you're thinking about life outside of college like how you're going to pay your bills, like if you are going to be a professional dancer, that is where I go, you need to be well-rounded because that is the, I think I've talked about this, the best advice I ever got in college, honestly in life as a performer, was from my jazz professor in college and she said, she said, you want to take every style you can get your hands on and learn as much dance as you can because you never know how you're going to pay your bills. Yeah. No, I mean, it is so true because... There are a lot of choreographers out there, too, who, dependent on the piece, depending on who has, um, like, requested them to do a piece or the show that they're working on, it, their style in one show is going to be different from the next show. Yeah. And it's so, so, so important to be able to get as well-rounded as you can. Obviously, there's going to be the style that you favor or the one that you're oh, yeah. better at. Sure. But to be like, no, I have no idea how to tap. No, I have anyone no that's a dancer idea. in New York City, and I've bumped into plenty of them. There's like I don't know how to tap. I'm like There's so many. You live in New York City, and there are musicals everywhere. So how do you not know how I, to tap? Um, that frustrates me. I so had a bad. situation too a couple years ago where I was working um, at a performing arts program, and I was told, and I have a bad knee. I have a, I have a really old knee injury. And so I can tap and I can teach tap, but to a certain extent before my knee literally yeah. swells up like a balloon and like we're done and I can't put pressure on my leg. So um, 
I remember going in and my director, the director of the program was like, okay, so I do need you to teach tap, but I promise you it's only going to be once a week. And I was like, sure, great, not a problem. I actually like teaching tap now. Yeah. It might, like, as I've gotten older and I've understood tap, I actually really enjoy teaching it and, like, trying to figure out fun rhythmic dances with it. Yeah. And he was like, it's going to be this way because the other people that I've hired, like, they all they they all have said they have tap experience. <laughs> Flash forward about a week or two when we're all together and nobody can tap. Like, to the point where they literally were like, I don't feel comfortable teaching a basic level tap class because I don't know how to teach a time step. Like, a single time step. And so... I got stuck. I got stuck teaching all three levels, beginning, intermediate, and advanced levels of tap that summer multiple multiple months in a row and there were so many times where I literally had to be like I had to ask the like ask the kids to basically teach themselves today while I watched because I couldn't put pressure on my leg so, yeah. and part of it is like sure there needed to be a lot of vetting on these on these other teachers coming in but then also don't lie don't say you can teach something when you can't and a, a big part of that though is like you shouldn't be able to teach a basic class. I'm a big proponent of if you're going to go into, especially working with children, yes. go into teaching dance and even choreographing, and especially if children are involved, you should be able to know how to do a basic anything. Yeah. It, I don't, I'm not yeah. even saying, I'm not even saying like, like intermediate level. I'm saying like no. basic. Like if someone told me, Danielle, I need you to take a, teach a basic ballroom class, I'd be like, that's fine. Oh, yeah, I can because do I can do cha-cha. I know my cha-cha. I knew my rumba. I know my salsa. I can I get know, through a basic like, class. You know what yeah. I mean? I know my foxtrot. Like, I know my basics. That's not a problem. But if you, like, even hip-hop. I do not consider myself a hip-hop teacher or necessarily a hip-hop dancer. I'll do basic to, to begin. I trained. Begin to interview. Yeah, I mean, I trained under some really amazing hip-hop you teachers. Have. And I've taken classes, and I know a lot. So, like... Even in my classes, now I teach to my kids, I always teach them the fundamentals of hip-hop. I always teach them the yes. different grooves. Because you should be able to do that. And, or how are you calling, I'm just going to say, how are you calling yourself a dancer if you don't have a basic knowledge of enough styles? Hey. And again, there are always more styles and there's always more to learn. But it's just, particularly, it always frustrates me when you get kids that leave college programs and or studios that they've been at forever and again graduating onto the next phase of their life and there's a giant lack of knowledge like nothing cracks me up more than particularly hip-hop dancers when they they'll book a huge event and then some you know a stage manager or production manager or lighting will be like come down stage and they're like what wait what what do you where it's, I don't understand. And like not having a basic right. knowledge of upstage, downstage, wings, like little stuff like that just generally makes me go, you're missing out on something. You're missing out on something. Yeah. You know, and that's like upstage, that's terminology that like if you're not in the industry, you're not going to know. But like you can also Google and find this stuff out. Like yeah. it's not it's not hard to have access to this information. No. But it's one of those things of if you're going to make this your career, you need to know these things. And I think... You know, I say this to dancers when you're at your studio. Don't, you know, don't go rebelling against the system and be like, oh, I want to quit because they're not teaching us this. Have those conversations with the people in charge first and then go, is this the right studio for me? Or, I mean, and we'll talk about this more when we on our college episode, but like find out what you're lacking 
Yeah. And that needs to be the program for you. Because that's why I wanted a heavy dance career for my college career because I did not have a heavy dance program in high school. Right. So I felt like I was missing music and dance. And then I right. got too much music and then I swung the other way and got a lot of dance. So it's one of those things of like you have to be aware that programs end, even the best programs end. And you've got to be prepared for that. You've got to be you got to be ready and prepared for that adjustment to life um, as graduation rolls around. Because I know that's just one of the, the big things for me that a lot of people, a lot of young dancers just aren't prepared for. Um, or like there, I have to mention this. I had one of my, um, uh, really close students and friends graduated and I was about to take class and he was like, what class are you taking? I said, a ballet class. It's like a level one. I just haven't took one in a while. And it's like, I need to like re-up on some technique. And he was like, I don't remember the last time I took a ballet class in New York. And I was like, well, why not? He's like, cause I was in college. I would get technique classes all the time. So when I was in the city, I wouldn't take a technique class. I said, well, you've graduated now. Mm -hmm. If you don't take technique class, it's going to slip away from you. And he was like, oh, I never thought about that. And I was like, yeah, that's that's where we are. Mm-hmm. You got <laughs> to think about these things. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, so, and I think a lot of that goes into, um, like we've mentioned this already kind of before, but you, if you are a studio or an educational program, before kids go to college, you really have to be well-rounded and you have to be well-rounded in terms of like ballet needs to be ballet and tap needs to be tap and hip-hop needs to be hip-hop and you should include all of these things into your program and all these opportunities to the kids, but it can't just be, oh, well, we're a hip-hop studio. Oh, well, we're a tap studio. And that's all that we do. I um, I saw one of my students' dance recitals last weekend, and she lives and goes to dance in an area of Queens that is predominantly African-American and Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And they, which is great, and a lot of their numbers were really fun. Um, but it was very clear that the studio was like, well, since this is our location, since this is the cultures that we cater to, then all of our dances are going to be infused with hip hop and with, which also we'll go back to my thoughts on their quote unquote hip hop in a minute, but hip hop and, you know, Caribbean, um, flares and all of this stuff. And like, there was even one ballet piece where, a tour, you know, it was a really nice piece and all of a sudden at the end they broke out into like 24 counts of hip-hop and it wasn't necessary either. I don't really know why and I think a lot of it too was, it was to appease the audience. It was to appease the um, the community of that area. But I don't think it's a great thing to be teaching these kids that, oh, well, because you are from this area, this is what we hold at a higher standard. This is all you can do. And this is what you're known for. Like in our community, in our culture, like we're hip hop dancers. So that's all we do. Like, no. That's the problem to that. It makes me go. And again, I think down the line when it's time to book jobs or when it's time to go to college programs of like you if that's the culture that you've grown up in, you're going to always be able to do that. That's just yeah. how I feel. Like, it's my like uh, my friend um, who's an African dance teacher who's taught literally at every major place here in the city, and I get so jealous of, like, I'll be like, I want to teach her. She's like, oh, yeah, I taught there years ago. And I'm like, great, hate you. But 
she is from Africa. She grew up in an African village. Like mm-hmm. I said, she like is from Ivory Coast. And she goes, I you grow up doing these dances every single day. It's a part of your life. Right. Right. So she was like, so <coughs> when someone she so she goes when some so when someone doesn't know it or doesn't know it accurately, it's instantly clear to me because I'm like five years old doing these dances. Right. And she was like, so you got to branch outside of that to learn the bigger world. So that's why her and I work a lot because she'll teach me a lot of African and I'll teach her hip hop. Or like when she works at Alvin Ailey, so she'll be around the modern dancers learning from them. Right. And like I said, her uh, part, her first language is French. So it's always so funny that she'll be like, you don't speak French. I said, I don't speak French, but I speak ballet. Yeah. And so yeah. we'll be like talking terms and what literal translations mean and things like that. And she's like, I never knew that. I was like, this is what we call it. She goes, I don't know why they call it that. That doesn't literally mean that. You know, so like, it's one of those things of just having that conversation pushes them. Right. And I think that is what you have to remember going forth in the world because, perfect example, Beyonce is not all hip hop. No. Jazz. Single ladies is literally, the single ladies dance is literally it's Michael Bennett. No, Fosse. It's a Fosse Yeah, piece. it's a Fosse dance called uh, Mexican and, Breakfast. Yeah. So like, uh, but if you look at it, it's hip hop. To the outside world, it's hip hop. But this is why I encourage you to take a hip hop history class mm, and get a good teacher best. with fundamentals because you will find that if you're only taking hip hop, partic- guys, this applies to you too, but in particularly ladies, if you're only taking hip hop, your body will self destruct and you will not be pre- prepared for the, all the things you have to do. Um, when it comes to working, wanting to be a professional dancer, even if you just want to do hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, a good friend of mine, Natalie Ruiz, I just caught up with her. She's a dancer out in LA and she is from St. Croix. So she grew up doing all Caribbean dances and mm-hmm. teaching ballroom. One, that helps her pays her bills out in LA when she get gigs are slow. Yeah. But two, she's like living in high heel shoes doing ballroom is why I can go on stage and do hip hop. Because I'm used to right. wearing heels. Right. She's like, so that's a skill from ballroom that is easily translated over into hip hop. Or and ba- like I said, she take she uh, does point as well. She's like, being on point and knowing how to take care of my feet allows me to do a hip hop yeah. concert where I'm in heels. Because she's like, that my feet are on on point shoes. So like, if I can do point shoes, I can. There's take just care of so my feet. many things that um, styles that can inform you in other styles. Yes. Um, but if and, you don't know, you're caught. You right, know? and you and you won't ever get to experience how they can inform each other, mm-hmm. and how they can taking a modern class where modern is all about being grounded. The majority of modern styles are about being grounded. Is going to help your African and your hip hop, oh, yeah. and your African oh, is yeah. going to help your modern. And there are just so so many. Like it's so good to to try to take as many as you can and take styles that really care about their style specifically because they're mm-hmm. going to inform you in other places. Oh, yeah, because it's always funny when you have um, literally a bunch of modern dancers take African for the first time and you're like, plie, and they go, ooh, I get it now. Right. Africa, an African dance teacher is probably not going to say plie unless they know the ballet. Right, well, and that's like, <laughs> right, like, that's the same thing. But too, that, like, the, if you say plie, they get it, you know? If you show it, you're like, I know what that is and I've done that before, which is why we talk about so many times that, especially if you're in an educational dance setting at Mm -hmm. a school, it's so important to find a well-rounded teacher to at least teach basics of many different styles so that they can really understand what it means to be a dancer where you might not get to be able to have the opportunity to go to a studio and take 
you know, tap on Mondays and right. hip hop on Tuesdays and so forth and so you on. Do. You do need that well-roundedness because it's one of, the, like I said, it all, the more I keep dancing, the older I get, it all bleeds together. It is all connected. Very rarely do I find a dance style that does not bleed over into Agreed. another dance style. It just, I, I don't know. I'm going to keep looking, but every yeah. single time I find when I go, there's this and this, there's this and right. this, there's no, just too much I connecting mean, pieces. I agree with you, but... With that being said, as they as much as they all connect, you need to, when you're growing up and taking dance or first starting to take dance, you need to take that style. If you're all yes. of a sudden, like, taking a ballet class and they're like, oh, well, like, but you guys really like hip-hop. So, like I said, the example that I, you know, saw, so we'll make sure that there's hip-hop in your dance. No. Then you can't make those connections if you're not truly teaching the actual fundamental style or first. just, well, injuries. Yeah. That is, that is where I go where, so I have this problem all the time when you get hip hop people that don't understand the alignment of a, bo- of a growing body. Um, I went through this where I was teaching at a place where every time I looked up, somebody was in a knee brace. And I, my, just like one day I came in the office, man, the boss was like, why are you so angry? I said, because I see seven kids in knee braces. They're not in, ni- they're not in high school. Yeah. How are they in knee braces? Well, because of this, is said, then they're teaching them wrong. Yeah. And so, like, I worked on the... I was with them for three years. We worked very hard to, like, you're in a knee brace. Go sit down. You need to go heal. Like, kicking kids out of class until their body's healed and recovered so we could train them properly. And then I left the organization. I saw a couple friends there, and the person they had replaced me, he, they're like, they've distanced themselves. My... So, it's like several different sites within the organization. Mm-hmm. My site has kind of distanced from this person because this new person has tons of kids that keep injuring themselves. Um, and, like, one of my former dancers is under him now. And I was like, I had that child all the way to 10th grade and they did not have a single injury. Yeah. What happened in the six months? It was, like, six months later, she was in a knee brace. And I'm like... Yeah. Because when you're being taught properly in each style, yes. then you're able to understand your body better and your body is functioning better than being like... And I did see the same this same dancer cycle I went to. There was a little bit of hiplet. And I oh. remember seeing those girls on point and I'm like, none of them, no matter how old they are, none of them should be on point right now because they're not on top of their right. box. Their knees oh. are bent. They're not turned out. And then you got this whole hiplet thing, which is not a thing. Like... I, anytime I see anybody on point, and it's happened live, we were at a, I was at a performing arts camp, and a girl was uh, performing a solo from Paquita, and she was on point, and the minute she rolled, like, went from, from, like, flat foot to releve, I, like, grabbed the two people beside me, and I locked, I locked eye contact with another friend of ours, um, that's a dancer. Like, we locked eyes with each other. And we just didn't look at anything else but each other as I'm like gripping the, the students beside me. And they're like, what's wrong? I was like, nothing. I just need to hold on to something. She kept going in, like, she kept being off her box and rolling. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those things where I, I was waiting for the snap. Like, I was waiting for her ankle to snap because she was it's not in her so, box. It's so dangerous. And so the, I, the, the ballet, you're not meant to undulate on a box. No. That you're just not. Like, and so contemporary ballet pushes it as far as it can go. But to hip to do hiplet or any type of undulation of the body on a box, you're setting yourself up to break something. It's a tiny surface space. Right. It's and just not whole, possible. Your whole it's body not. weight is on that tiny little surface space that is maybe two inches wide. Right. And, so and to, one, uh, one inch in length. So to, uh-uh. to do these types uh-uh. of things, you know, as much as we're like everything bleeds into each other... 
making making a class when you're not trained to begin with about like hiplet or fusing styles that young is not right it's you're you're not setting them up for success you're not because again yeah and if the kids are sitting there like but i want to do this this would be so cool this is the new fad dance you are the adult yes you have to say no even if that means you end up losing a couple of students and that's or like there's the one thing that um i don't mind so it's the sassy walks but they're honestly just jazz walks um, jazz walks in a ballet class to like hip hop music. I've seen that before. That doesn't particularly bother me because all you're doing is walking on your box. Oh, um, yes, 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 yes. That do- That's fine. That because doesn't particularly honestly, bother in that way because again, I've seen it where they like throw in a Beyonce or a Gaga or who's also, ever popular at the time. One of the first things you you learn once you're on your point shoes is how to march in parallel. Yes, so like, that's all that it is. Put, if you want to put on some Beyonce while they march in parallel. And that's usually in the class doesn't, that, or across. That doesn't that. bother me because one of the first things you have to learn to do is march in parallel. And the reason why you learn how to march in parallel first is because that's how you're going to get your most surface space and be able to go from one uh, foot to two foot to one foot to two foot. And that's something that's always done first before you start doing not, anything not else. A point teacher, I didn't know that. I actually learned something. Yeah. But that that makes sense to me because I've seen that and I go, that doesn't bother me. No, because that again, doesn't bother me. Everything is squared off. You're aligned. But mm-hmm. to see them like stop and start like swinging their hips and things like that, I just go like, love that. That's great. You should not be doing that on point. That right. is that is not the space for that. So. It all bleeds together in the end, which is why I say you should take multiple styles. But if you can't distinguish between multiple yes, styles, that's where it and is. in particular, when under 18, you should just be learning how to distinguish between styles, honestly. Before 18, I just think it becomes very dangerous to oh, try yeah. to do that. Yeah. And so I caution, you know, those that prepare people for graduation, those that are leaving programs, enjoy it. Congratulations, you've made it. Mm-hmm. But understand the work doesn't end. And everyone, no, we talk, again, why we created this podcast, you will find the more you keep working, gaps in your own knowledge. Yeah. Gaps in knowledge of people around you. And you prepare and compensate. Because like I said, I just finished working on a show a couple weeks ago. And everyone is professional. Every, you know, everyone is, is well-trained. But not everyone is starting from the same spot. Right. You know, and that's that's numerous professional shows I've worked on, you know. I've been in a cast where we had two people that literally just, like, were still in a Broadway show while we were rehearsing. They, right. Like, it closed halfway through our rehearsal process. So we had two people that were on Broadway. We had somebody else that was on tour. You know, we had one person that just finished an off-Broadway run. Some, You know, so, like, we were all just came from different spots. But, like, you never know where everyone's starting. You never know where everyone's at currently in their career, in their training. So don't don't let graduation be the end. Let no, it be the yeah. beginning. That's what I say to that. Yeah. And a big thing with that, I have to say, is don't, you know, of course, when you're 18, you think you're, like, on top of the world, and you know everything, and you're about to go to college, and, you know, I'm guilty of it, and I'm sure you are as oh, well, yeah. Tony, like, oh, I went yeah. to college being like, I had a great high school program, I know exactly what I'm doing, and then I got to college, and I was like, oh my god, I have no idea what I'm doing, I feel like I'm nine years old again with yeah. all of these older people, but... You know, everyone's going to go through that. And and I like to think that I kind of had that moment, but I had that moment very quickly come and go. And I was like, all right, I got stuff to learn. And I didn't be a diva about it. But knowing that what you have learned in high school and middle school and elementary school, 
that even if you did have amazing teachers and a great program, like Tony was just saying, there is so many gaps and so much more for you to learn and go into your college yeah. programs if that's the direction you choose with really open eyes and being okay to go. If someone's like, this is how this is done and it's not how you learned it somewhere else or something like that, don't don't try to like block it. Try it and see. That was all because yeah. I actually was horrible about this. And I had, again, that same professor who I love dearly. She goes, I'm tired of you being so negative. And I was like, what? I'm being negative? She goes, "You when you come across a style that you don't like, you get extremely negative. Mm. Fix it. Try it first. And then you can comment. Yeah. I did that for an entire semester. And now, re- literally, it was release tech. It was floor work and release technique. It's my favorite style now. Yeah. But literally, learning it, I was a pain in her ass. I know I was. Yeah. Because it was so different. I come from the MT world. Why are we on the floor? Why are we doing cat stretches? Why no, am I I'd laying out like it was such a was different too. world? I had me. a I had a teacher who taught yeah, I know I was such who a who taught release, release and um Laban and she just loved rolling around the floor and I was mm-hmm. like, This is stupid, this yep. is a dance. And now I'm like, ooh, there's some like really good stuff about being yeah. on the floor. Like there's some or really it has nice saved my body. That. Like in theater when like when I have to do like trick falls or like rolling and all oh, stuff, yes, like, I've I'm like, how oh, to do that. oh, the floor, I'm on the floor all day. Like my body yeah. just yearns for that. So it's, and it's going to so, be hard because I'm yes, the same way. So I didn't hard. like that either. I was like, this is not dance, but try, try to be aware that your studio wasn't the end all be all yes. and to just, um, keep learning. That's it. Keep learning. Yeah. Well, that being said, we're going to move right along to our next part of the session, which we like to call, I'm sorry, what? I love dance. And for me, I mine this week is, so I just finished with six different shows last week because I'm crazy. I love dance, but if you are going to be in an administration that provides a space for the arts, you need to commit 100%. Yeah. Half-ass doesn't work. Mm-mm. I, this was Friday show. And so let me start with Wednesday show. The show that I had on Wednesday, I knew ahead of time that our principal was going to be out. And that my organization, we were going to have to run the show. Mm-hmm. The dean of the school still showed up. He's like, we just want to have someone here to represent you. You know, like, congratulations, you all did very hard work. We're here. I know that, like, he was like, because we didn't think he was going to be in that day either. But he was just there support. Like, and we didn't need him at all. Like, we welcome parents, blah, blah, blah. We all did our introduction, our bang. Everything was good. Everyone had a great time. Um, Our parents really loved it. But it was just nice to have someone there and supportive. Yeah. To, like, they're on the way down. We've already called them. Do you need us to message one? Like, they, you know, the dean and the office um, assistants were, like, there and ready for us. Friday show... It was me running around doing all this, being like, hey, I'm here. Like, I showed up an hour early and they were like, wait, you're, the show doesn't start for an hour. And I was like, yeah, I need to get all the kids here and assemble. Right. I don't even know if my all my actors are here or my soloists are here. Right. And luckily, because I had one actor that kept being out on the like on random days. So luckily he was there too and all of our soloists were there because I don't know if I didn't have a dance soloist, I was just going to cut it. But we had all of our soloists. We had everyone there, but it was just like... Trying to corral them an hour before the show was so difficult because no one would call into their classrooms. I didn't have all the room numbers for all of them. I was right. just, I just, I need everyone here in this space to make this happen. And so it was just very, very difficult. So it's one of those things of like, but again, 
that program was super supportive. You know, like they were supportive enough to bring us in. Like they would accommodate if we asked 50 times. Right. And a lot of it wouldn't necessarily be that they didn't want to. It would just be they would get lost in other stuff and put us on the back burner until we asked 50 times and then they would do it. And right. so that, that to me just goes, give us what we want from Jump and we can get out of your hair a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just, I love dance. But if you're going to be in an administration that wants a program in the arts, and there are numerous benefits that we can talk about at another time, just commit all the way. Yeah. That's my big thing. Commit all the way. Um, Mine is, and I've probably talked about this before, but... Any dance studio teacher, owner, dance educator within the school system, choreographer, anyone will tell you how hard it is, especially being a studio owner or dance teacher in the education field in a school setting, how hard it is to, like Tony was just saying, do a whole show by yourself. Because nine times out of ten, you Go are... Go see our episode, Army of One. Is yeah. Thing. Nine times out of ten, you are doing the whole show by yourself. Mm-hmm. And in a school setting, it always blows my mind when other teachers will be like, oh, your show's over, so you, you're coming back to teach now, right? And so we had this situation where <laughs> I had my dance show, and um, they... And luckily, it wasn't me. It was my, my AT... But she got a text from a teacher. Our, you know, the show ended. We had to stay and wait till everyone left so then we could clean up. Right. You know, the Please, whole show thing, right? The whole thing. The show doesn't end after the curtain goes right. down for a teacher. Sorry. And my AT, because now, now the teachers know better than to ask me because they know that I'll literally <laughs> just, like, yell at them now. But someone texted my AT, AT on the sign. I knew what they were trying to do. They were trying to, like, do it on the DL mm-hmm. and hope that, like, no one would find out. And was like, hey, so you'll be back in time for when my class usually is, right? Like, can you take them? And she showed me and I was like, no, like, we're not, we're not going to be back because we still have to, like, break everything down and, you know, get it in the car and get back to school. And so she sent that text her and she was like, okay, but like, when you get back, like, I really need a break so you can take the kids, right? To the point that my boss actually had to get involved and took her phone, took my, my AT's phone and texted this other teacher back and was like hi so this is the principal and no it's not okay because also mind you mind you it was communicated in our cps which is like a critical path which tells everyone on paper where everyone needs to be at what time Mm -hmm. and what is happening it was communicated via email and via our like text messaging system at work Mm -hmm. that all specials and science classes would be canceled that day Due to the show and due to how, like, I needed everyone to help out, right? It was communicated. So my boss actually took the phone and was like, hi, this is the principal. So if you read your information, (laughs) you would know. Yeah, basically, like, this is not happening. And the teacher got very upset. And she was like, I haven't had a break all day. And I was like, okay, so, like. Neither have we. What do you think we're doing? And I also was like, with all due respect, you literally, like, the kids came in this morning. And you had them do, like, their morning work. And then they ate snack and used the bathroom. And then you got on a bus to come to the theater. And you've just been sitting downstairs with them while they've waited to perform and now they're performed and now you're going back to school and there's an hour and a half left in the day and you literally have been given the okay to just put a movie on i have been running this show by myself my at has been by my side all day we have been working so don't you haven't had a break we haven't had a break and we're the ones that have actually done the work that's no so that just always and i know it's always gonna happen especially being in a school setting i know there's nothing you can do about it but i just always have to talk about it because it always boggles 
my mind that like, again, you've seen how many shows now. You've literally watched me teach classes. Like you've come up early and seen what I do in classes, all this work. And for you to be like, well, I need a break because I sat with them today. I'm like, girl. Yeah. Girl. Now, now, as that you don't me because I'm like, I haven't sat down today. Exactly. Like, that's exactly. always the thing I'm like, when it's as particularly, I mean, normally teaching dance, I, you, I don't teach sitting down. I don't think you really can. But on show days, I never get to sit down. Yeah. Like, I never get to sit down no. on show days. So, no. Oh my God, that's like, so funny though. You'll know there'll be some times where, like, if I have a day where I have like five, four or five classes, by the time I get to that last class, you see me, I literally like, squat down on the ground and I'm like okay let's talk because like I need five minutes and like this year this year particularly one it was like my Mondays I taught from 12 30 to 3 30 12 30 3 30 was it that yeah 12 30 to 3 30 without a break like without even five minutes all the classes were back to back and they're 45 and minutes and I do love that but I also hate that right it's like kind of great because I love it like, you go, just go, get go, done go. but it's also but like ooh I need was, to pee and then because they're 45 minute classes and they literally like one was ending while the next one was starting yep. it was four classes back to back so by the time that fourth class rolled around I literally was like oh my god yep. like I cannot do another warm up right now oh yep yeah. well that being said the curtain has closed in this episode, but we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that. We want to say a special thank you to our listeners. Our numbers keep growing, and that's all thanks to you. Episodes come out every Tuesday. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music are perfect places to do that. You can find us on Facebook at Point Your Toes. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Point PYT. You can... Email us at pytnyc29 at gmail.com. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, the Avengers of the NYC Dance Teacher.